Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another edition of the Triple Threat Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Shockley. And first off, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and sharing last week's episode with my man, Maurice Claret. We definitely have part two coming up today. Part one was really good. He talked a lot about his upbringing and stuff he had to overcome. And today will only be even better. So looking forward to part two today of Maurice Claret talking a lot of things going on in the sports world as well. I'll get to my man Scott as well. He has a lot of backlash last week talking about outcasts. So uh, we'll see if we can uh, spark up some new things this week as well uh, to get the people talking. Let's jump into some of the, well, first off, I want to, I want to explain the name behind triple threat. A lot of people were asking, where did you get the name? Where did it come from? And it's only right that I give the person who came up with it the credit. My wife, my wife came up with triple threat. Now, Scott, me and you both were talking about dual threat, right? We both liked right. the dual threat because I was a dual threat quarterback. And I looked at it as, hey, a dual threat guy can do multiple things. You know, so I'm like, hey, I can talk sports. I can talk culture. I can talk things going on in the world. So that's what dual threat started. Then my wife said, what about triple threat? And you change around some of the T's and the E's and you make a three here, but also the meaning behind triple threat. Scott, I don't even know if you know the meaning behind triple threat. I might have told you. Did I tell you about it? I believe so, but I'll let you tell. <laughs> All right. So you're more accurate. So how this came about was triple threat was something that my wife said, hey, look, All right, you were an athlete. True. Now you're an analyst. Okay. That's one part of the triple threat. She says, you're a dad. You're a husband. I said, yeah, okay. So that's the second part of being a triple threat. The last part about it is you're just a well-rounded dude. So I said, okay. I mean, you, you talk about your husband in that way. I, I am a triple threat in many ways. You can do multiple things with that, but that's how kind of the triple threat name came about. And uh, we've been rocking with it for a good old week now. <laughs> well, we may have to have her come on to verify that story. Oh, to put be, a blue check ooh, mark next to it. Now, getting her on the mic and having her talk. Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> I, I'll let you ask her about that. But uh, it, it, it'll be fun to get her on here one day, see if she'll uh, have some interesting things to say. All right, let's talk about some things going on in the sports world. Yesterday obviously was a signing day and deadline for a lot of guys around the league to sign their franchise tender. We saw a bunch of guys sign some big deals here and just start with one guy in Chris Jones. Chris Jones was a massive player for the Kansas city Chiefs. Signs a four year deal worth $85 million. Now, this just comes a week after they get Patrick Mahomes signed and he signs that massive four $500 million deal. Now, Chris Jones will get $37 million at signing and another $60 million guaranteed for injury. Then he's got $5 million incentives. That gets it up to $85 million. A couple stats on Chris Jones and just how special he has been for them the last couple years. He's led the Chiefs in sacks the last two years. And in 61 career games, 33 sacks, 
two interceptions. Yes, I said it. Two interceptions and seven forced fumbles. Being active up front is crazy. And when you think about guys like Aaron Donald, he can wreak havoc as well. And Chris Jones lives in that same mantra. So the Chiefs now are the only team in the NFL with three players making at least 60 mil guaranteed with Frank Clark Mahomes and now Chris Jones. Frank Clark's 62 mil that he got. So they got a lot of different guys making some big-time money. And... It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Another guy who's making some big money around the league, Miles Garrett. Obviously, Miles Garrett is, I think, known for his antics when he snatched off Miles' helmet and tried to hit him with it. But I think that's all behind him now. He was suspended for the last six games of the season last year, but he has signed a new five-year deal worth $125 million with a total of $144 million over seven years. So this is a guy who has been really good in the National Football League with the way he gets after people. I mean, he's a big physical 290, 295, athletic, can run 4-4 around the edge. And as a quarterback, a guy I do not want to see. But he becomes the highest paid non-QB in the NFL, passes Khalil Mack, who was making around 23 mil. And now, oh man, Miles Garrett is up the ante. Scott, the crazy thing about this dude, he's only 24 years old. He's an animal. I, uh, I worry about him. And the and the headcount that he's going to accumulate with. So you say he needs this money, right? He might need it for fines. <laughs> All right. Last year, Miles Garrett in ten games had ten sacks, and like I mentioned, was suspended for those final six games. But he is one of the more dominant pass rushers in this league. And entering in 2017, he ranked fourth entering the league in sacks per game. So being around the football is a big part of what he does. And yesterday, towards the end of the day, it was confirmed that the big guy, the Tennessee Titans, have got their man, and he signed that new four-year deal. And it's going to be fun to watch him run it because he, he – you talk about doing some big things. This guy – I'm trying to look up the, the size of our guy Derrick Henry, but you look at him, he's 6'4", he's almost 230, 240, but this guy is a menace for running backs and a minutes for defensive backs as well coming through that backfield. He had 300 carries uh, this past season and rushed for over 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns. You remember he led the Titans to the AFC Championship game and in two games rushed the Patriots and Baltimore Ravens rushed for 377 yards. Now he's 26 years old and I know the big discussion now is do you pay running backs this money? And we've seen Christian McCaffrey this offseason get paid. He got a new four-year deal, over $60 million. Uh, we saw what happened to Todd Gurley when he got his money when he was with the Rams. Now, Scott, you have an interesting take on should you pay running backs or should you not? What do you say? No. Why not? Because there's been so many times. First of all, running backs get battered. They get beaten. They get injured. True. And, and, and we just see time and time again where people put big money on running backs. Right. And my feeling is, and I know this isn't, this isn't popular and it's not fair to those guys. We're not here for the popular. We're here to tell the truth. Those that's how you running backs are a commodity and you have to treat them as such. So you're all about the running back by committee then? Yeah, sure. I just think if I was a GM, I would draft a running back every year, third, fourth round, something like that. 
and just keep us just keep us stable going. So would you so would you rather just pay them the minimum and have like two or three guys? You have a uh, like they had a Mark Ingram type in New Orleans and an Alvin Kamara yeah, that can do yeah. different things. I'm not necessarily about league minimum necessarily. I just don't I I don't ever want I don't ever want my team to have the highest paid running back or the highest you know, five paid running backs in the league. You so pay, you think you their value them. goes down as soon as they get paid or just, you no, just think their value is. No, nah, no, I don't think that they, all of a sudden they get paid and, and, and all of a sudden they're not worth it. I just think that the position as a whole is not worth the top money that they get paid. I got and you. So that would just be my philosophy. But they, I mean, nobody takes a, nobody takes a bigger beating than running backs. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But it's a business and you got to treat it as such. And I, th- I think running backs are commodities. I'm on the other end of that because there's a guy who played the quarterback position and understands how important running backs are. Mm-hmm. I think sure. you need them. And whether they get paid that big money or not, that ain't up to me. But I'm just saying, if they can get it, go get it. Well, the only reason I care about what people get paid is because of a salary cap. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Because that's a big uh, part of it. You know, sure. if, if I said it last week about quarterbacks, if you, if you allocate so much money, to so few positions, um, you know, you, I think you limit yourself, and I think you see it all the time. It's all right, though, man. I mean, it, it, you got you to gotta build right through the draft, got to build right through the free agency. Sure. And, yeah. you know, you look at a lot of teams, uh, they're not a most, – most, it's probably seven or eight guys on a team that are making major money. Everybody else is on right. cap-friendly deals or they're making the, the league minimum. Guys are on rookie contracts, all that kind of stuff. So there are only a few guys, and I understand – Put a lot of money into certain spots. So we'll see how it pans out. Derrick Henry getting a four-year deal. Ryan Tannehill, of course, getting his big money this offseason as well. So Tennessee Titans made a lot of noise in the playoffs last year. See if that remedies everything going forward and see if they can get going. Other news, the Washington Redskins came out this week. It was on Monday, and they announced that the Redskins' name would no longer be and this has been a touchy subject for a while now. And I think a lot of people had a bunch of opinions, but I think the biggest thing that happened was the sponsors. A lot of people with the advocacy groups were making a lot of noise about the Washington Redskins name. And now they were forced to kind of retire that name now. And they're looking for a new name. But I think ultimately we were talking about this before it came on. It all comes down to money. You're talking about losing major sponsors like Nike and FedEx. Mm -hmm. That goes a long way. So it's going to be one of those type of scenarios where they had to do it. They had to, you know, like we say, they were were backed into a corner. They were losing a lot of money. A lot of the investors were saying, hey, if this stays put, we're going to be gone. And they were backed into the corner and had to move. And I know we both feel strongly about that name should be changed, of course. Sure. Yep. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing was why it had to be changed. Yeah. Our, I mean, most of our lives, this has been mumbled about, and this has been, you know, people complained about it our whole life. And it took some some major things happening in in the country in general for right. companies, big you know, big dollar sponsors to uh, to basically make it happen. If there was a name you would like it to change to, <laughs> what would you say? <clears throat> we being funny or we being real whatever you want you want to be funny you could be real i mean like i thought about the name of the warriors okay the washington warriors like you could keep that i i don't think that's something that's maybe 
too serious or too funny. I think the Warriors is like a strong name for a football team. I agree. Team. I agree. So what would their mascot be? Because a lot of I know like a lot of high schools, you see a lot of Warriors in high schools and their their mascot is usually the spear, like the Florida State spear. That's pretty common. Yeah. That was my yeah. high school. Yeah, yeah. I mean You'd be like a some kind of I mean I mean it gotta be something with a you know, mean fighting guy or something, man. It gotta be something that's cold blooded, you know. They just rip off the Titans guy. <laughs> just make him the warrior. Hey, it just might, man. So I think it should be politically themed. Politically think because yeah. it's in DC. Could be the Washington gridlock. <laughs> that could be that could be a good one. Okay. I mean, where they never get across midfield. <laughs> that's all I. That's all I. That's all I could think of. I don't know. I think Warriors is a good one actually. Okay. Okay. I like that. Okay. So, Redskins will be having a new name. Washington will be earning a new name this season. They will keep the same colors, but the logo oh. and the name will be no more. So DJ, the color scheme of their team is is probably a bigger crime than you ain't feeling the color scheme? Ugh. Maroon and gold. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh man. Speaking like a true gator over here, my man's good, but hey, it's all good. So moving on, let's talk about some college football. College football this season, we've already heard the Big Ten say, hey, we're gonna be playing conference game only. Pac 12 came out Early in the week, and said they're going to be playing conference games only. The SEC is still up in the air right now. And her Greg Sankey talked early in the week about, you know, he's still kind of worried about things that are happening on campus. And my only concern is, yeah, you got the, the student athletes on campus now. What happens when the students get back in town? And you're telling me you're going to be able to keep college kids away from each other, safe, healthy, and be able to have a season. It's going to be tough. I'm on the I'm on the fence of I really want this season to happen, but it's a struggle right now. There are a lot of things going on in the country right now, and we all need and want football, but right. I'm not sure how good college football or if it will happen this season. Well, and that's why I'm very interested in your take on it because you're you're plugged in in Athens, you're plugged in at SEC Network, you're plugged in at ESPN. I'm asking you what you know do you think it's going to happen so you're you're 50 50 right now i'll be honest we we i've I've talked to many people and they're up in the air just as anybody else i mean i've talked to coaches i've Mm -hmm. talked to staff members i've talked to uh people at espn they're still unsure and they're still playing the waiting game and i think that's why the sec is still in that boat and they said they will wait till the end of july to make a decision because they want to see if things are going to get better nobody actually knows what's going to happen with college football right now. And if some of these teams start to start to, you know, have more and more people come down with this virus, mm-hmm. there's no way this season can happen. So it, it's going to be one of those sticky subjects that I don't think we hear anything about until the end of July or the first of August, right. uh, if we have it. And you, you think about in, in, in the NFL, they're about to start training camp. There are a yeah. couple teams that the rookies are supposed to report on Saturday. So we haven't heard any protocols going in about what they can and can't do. So it's going to be one of those sticky situations for the NFL and for college football on proceeding. Now, do you think the NFL can kind of keep us in the dark a little bit more about their procedures because they're a, they're a private, you know, they're a private business. They're, they're not dealing with, with, with kids, with college age oh, kids. Absolutely, because it's a business. The NFL yeah. is a business. I mean, we've heard for the longest 
those owners they're not gonna, they're not in the business of losing money, right? So they're gonna make sure they find a way to 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 get these guys playing. And you can't call college guys employees, and that's the number one rule. Is you know, <laughs> hey, they're not employees; they're still kids. They're you know getting an education, so that's a big part of it. So well, that's a whole other show right there. <laughs> whole other show. We all hoping college football returns, but until then. We'll keep it tuned in. All right, last thing we got on the list, Tiger returns this weekend, and he's playing in the Memorial Tournament at Mirfield Village. This will be fun to watch. I'm a golf lover, and I'm glad to see Tiger back. He responded earlier in the week about, obviously, the the concerns with COVID, and that's why he hasn't been in the last couple tournaments, and he's trying to make sure everything is good with their protocols, and now he's back. So it's going to be fun to watch Tiger get back at it, but it's going to be an uphill battle for him. We've seen the last few weeks – Colin Morikawa win last week. Justin Thomas was on the verge of winning. We've seen Bryson DeChambeau. He's hitting the ball 375 yards off the tee every single time. He's beefed up. There are so many guys. Rory McIlroy is still there. I mean, there's so many really good golfers that have been playing. Mm-hmm. And now I know Tiger's won this particular event five times, but he's had some layoff. But as we know, Tiger's a competitor. He's going to come out. He's going to be ready to play. But I just don't see him – being in contention this week, even though he knows the course, I just believe it's because of so many of the other good golfers that are yeah. out there right now. It's 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 a deep. I think golf PGA is really deep right now, and it's, yeah. it makes for exciting golf. I think what'll be interesting is Tiger may not be Tiger of twenty years ago, but he's still getting everybody's attention when he's out there, right? And I don't mean fans or or media. I mean other golfers know he's out there and know what he's capable of. Right. Last part of this I thought was pretty funny uh, is his his comment is the host, Jack Nicholas, the mayor, of course, said he's still going to shake hands on the 18th for the winner. And I love his comment. He says, quote, I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to walk right out there and shake your hand. And he said this via the virtual news conference at Mirfield Village Golf Club. And he says, if they don't want to shake my hand, that's fine. I'll give them a fist bump or an elbow bump, but I'm going, I'm not going to give them COVID-19. So if they want to shake it, that's fine. If not, I'm still going to find a way to represent them and, and do that. He always thinks it's a good representation being on that 18th hole, yeah. shaking the winner's hand. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out come Sunday. I think whoever wins that tournament, they're going to shake the bear's hand. He takes tremendous pride in that tournament. It's his, it's yeah. his course. Um, and I agree. I, th- I think that, if you if you walk off the winner, I, I don't think hey, there's hand sanitizer right there. Right? <laughs> Shake his hand, sanitize your hand. All right, before we get to part two of our sit down with Maurice Claret, I have last week we talked about outcasts. We talked a little music. I always like to talk a little culture. Try to talk about some things that are not sports related. So I got a little something from my man Scott here. I didn't tell him that question. I want to get a true reaction from him, and I want to get his answer. What kind of hot sauce do you like? Are you a Texas wow. Pete guy? Are you a Bulls guy? Do you like it on fish? Do you like it on fried chicken? Do you like hot sauce? I like spicy food in general. Okay. My favorite sauce to use is buffalo sauce. Buffalo. I put it on. I put Air that dang. on everything. <laughs> I, 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 I will. I will dip. Uh, you know, obviously with wings and or chicken of any kind. Yeah. Um, but I'll I'll eat it with fries. Yeah. I'll I'll dip mozzarella sticks in it. 
Bro, you out, of, like, you out of control right now. I you, like you are out of control right now. I don't like hot stuff just for the sake of being hot, but almost every time I eat, it's, you all it's something spicy. No, no, it's something spicy in general, but that's my favorite sauce. So if I'm at a restaurant and I'll, I'll ask for a side of buffalo sauce to dip my fries in or something, okay? Because I don't right. like because you eat ketchup. Yeah, I eat ketchup. That's that's a crazy question. I don't eat mustard, but I eat ketchup. Ketchup is horrible. What? Yeah. We about to end this podcast right now. You are talking <laughs> crazy. You don't like ketchup. Like you eat a hot no. dog, a hamburger, you won't eat mustard. no ketchup. Mustard. No ketchup at all. No. Bro, come on. I mean, I won't scrape it off, but I don't I don't like ketchup. So if somebody offers you ketchup, you won't you won't eat no. it. What if they only have ketchup and no mustard? Will you eat ketchup? No, I'd eat a plain hot dog. So you're gonna eat it dry. Yeah. And you're gonna have a cotton mouth. <laughs> You're not getting a good hot dog. You got to get those big Franks that, that are man, juicy. Man, Scott don't like ketchup. All right, man. I, I've been trying to persuade my wife and my family to eat more Texas Pete. I think I got my little guy on board, but it's my good. wife, she ain't I like it on it. eggs. I like I like just the straight hot sauce on eggs. I like that. Okay. I ain't, I ain't mad we're just, about we're that. We're just learning each other. That's cool. all. That's all right, man. Ketchup, I don't think I can forgive you for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My man, Maurice Claret, coming up in part two sitting down with us here on Triple Threat Podcast. People have to understand like the environment that you were in and the things that were not normal for a lot of people uh, that to go through that at 18 years old. And you talk about going to win that championship, you talk about going and playing for the Denver Broncos. But I think ultimately this next part in your life, I think is probably the part of your life that you say is what really changed you. And I think a lot of people know, hey, you end up going to prison for three and a half years. You had an incident in 2006 where you were wearing a a Kevlar body armor. You had weapons in the car. Talk about that part of your life where things were kind of out of control and you had to find your way out of it and you go to prison and the things you learned from that incident in 2006 to what happened in prison and what led you to, hey, where we're sitting at today. Yeah, no, so it was, uh, so what you seen in 2006 was uh, a reflection kind of like what I thought about myself in previous years, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like, so we, we can all sit here and say like, yeah, we're, we're, we're cool football players and we're tough and everything. <laughs> Uh, but you know, when you, when you go through that much loss of career, loss of, um, loss of opportunity, and when a lot of this stuff was self-inflicted, some self-inflicted, some not, you know, you start to feel down on yourself, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. And so the, the oldest saying in the book, uh, is they say hurt people, hurt people. When you mad at yourself, you mad at the world. No you doubt. know what I'm saying? Misery and loves so, company for sure. <laughs> misery loves company. And, uh, you know, you also gotta, you gotta take into consideration, I've never taken school, business, uh, education, or uh, anything at that point in my life outside of sports or street activity serious. That's all I thought that I would be. I said, I'll be an athlete and that'd be it. And if I don't do that, you know, I'll be back in the hood selling dope or doing yeah. something illegal to basically make things for myself. And as silly as it sounds, that made so much sense to me. And I was like, totally cool with that. Like that. Like I was like either sports or hood stuff. I'm cool with this because this is all I can see myself being. And so um, when it didn't happen, you know, uh, and when I failed in Denver, you know, like, so it's one thing to be embarrassed, like, okay, you can get embarrassed 
uh, by your girlfriend. You can get embarrassing in, in, in your neighborhood, but getting embarrassed on national TV, mm-hmm. it, it, and that's why I'm really mindful of how I talk about people because I understand how that can make somebody feel when you just talk reckless about them nationally, mm-hmm. and then uh, people have an opinion on you that isn't something necessarily that you basically um, uh, you accept or you think that you are, and when you're younger, stuff like that affects you. You know, I'm 36 now. I can. I can, you know, you can deal with it. Somebody say something crazy about you. Oh, man, right. whatever. But when you're younger, you wear everything because, you know, when you're an athlete, you, you get into all the praise and, yeah. y'all, they built me up. I'm that dude. So when somebody say something bad about you, you're like, oh, man, you said something crazy. So, you so that used was to part get of pat it. on the back all the time, man. Yes, sir. I know exactly and what so, that feels like. Yeah. So <laughs> when, when, that, when that happens, you know, like you, you get to go through this transformation. And so, um, you know, football makes you aggressive by nature. It made me aggressive by nature. So now I'm mad at the world. I don't I don't have any money. I'm going out here hustling. I'm committing crimes. I'm robbing folks. I end up catching uh, my first case in 2006. And so about eight months after that, I got caught into a high-speed chase and, and eventually arrested. And so I went to uh, prison. I ended up going to, get, uh, going to prison and getting sentenced. Uh, and probably the best thing that happened to me was the, the first part of that. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the county jail, uh, basically, I had a mental health evaluation and I was uh, diagnosed with severe anxiety and depression. Mm. And, you know, this was 2006. So, you know, to talk about mental health or to talk about uh, a diagnosis of mental yeah. No, it, it definitely wasn't normal. It, it, it's just starting to be a, a conversation now. This is 2020, 2019, you know, mm. 2019, 20, it started to be like more to like the mainstream America and people can accept it. Right. And so what eventually happened was that uh, I got put on medication in 2000 and uh, uh, what was that, 2006. And probably for me was the best shit, to ha- <clears throat> excuse me, the best thing that happened to me. And what it did is that it stabilized my mood and it didn't have me so anxious and aggressive mm. all the time. Mm-hmm. It had me just more like just mellow, simple, easygoing, and sort of like real child. Like when I was a child and I didn't have all like this revved up energy, you know, all this crazy testosterone. Like I was like, wow, like I feel like a normal human being again. Right. And so throughout this process, um, the first eight months of my incarceration, I was locked down for 23 hours out the day, probably wow. the best thing that happened to me again. And so I was able to, uh, just start to reflect, man. And, you know, you start to reflect on collegiate experience and professional experience and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how you even got to the place where you at now. And, um, and I, and I was in a county jail before they shipped me off to prison. And so when I get to prison, uh, there was another blessing that happened. Uh, so all that stuff was happening while I was there. So then you go to prison. And now, you know, you hear what, you know, 4,000, 5,000 people inside the institution. And during the first day, uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Keller He was the warden of the prison. Mm-hmm. And he was actually from uh, Sierra Leone. And uh, he came up to me and he said, man, you know what? Uh, my father used to be the chief of the village in Sierra Leone. And he said, when guys would get in trouble, we would figure out what's going wrong, repair them, and basically send them back out to the village. Mm. He said, in America, you all throw people away. He said, I want you to basically look at this like Sierra Leone and repair yourself and rebuild yourself. Wow. So the next thing that happened, uh, he just was like, yo, I need you to start going through these therapeutic services, right? So I was going back to uh, therapy in prison, but then also I was in the housing unit all day just reading. And so I had never read before, never really took school serious. It was just always, man, do whatever classes to help me stay eligible and keep it moving. And so, yeah, so then, you know, uh, I got this catalog called Bargain Books. And it was the first time I sat down and just started reading books, man. And uh, it was, it changed my life. Like, Mm -hmm. so 
you know, feelings I never knew I had, thoughts I never knew I had, um, like just really just started to transform my life, man. And uh, I started to think about and dream about like, man, what do you want to do with yourself, right? So then this was probably like the greatest discovery, right? So I thought that the work ethic I had and the ability to watch film all day, you know how we do it, man. Yeah. You, 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 you sit there and the coach will be like, man, look at this release step. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I already coached you. Yeah, in your sleep, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <amen. laughs> so, so I just took that same work ethic for football and, and and that diligence and goal setting and, and 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 doing all of that to become what I was on the field. That same work ethic exists. You can set that on any platform that you choose to investigate. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so I just was like, man, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a businessman. And I just started reading, reading, reading. And then eventually four years later, uh, I got out of prison. And when I got out of prison on um, on Wednesday, uh, and as fate would have it, I ended up getting a call by Ted Sunquist out there in Omaha. And he was mm-hmm. like, you know, come on out here to Omaha and, you know, just make something of yourself. And then like, we eventually ended up being roommates when he was out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the start of my life again. And so, yeah. you know, from 2010 to 12, I was in Omaha. And then, you know, obviously everybody had left. And and I was out there maybe for like another six or seven months. And then I ended up um, basically from from there, I came back to Ohio. Uh, and they started filming at 30 for 30. And that kind of like what got my life in motion. Mm-hmm. And from there, uh, you know, I, I never thought my life in a wow. million years I would be public speaking. But that film had basically put me on the road to public speaking. Yeah. And so I started speaking everywhere. And I was just figuring out how to speak and how to tell a story and how to become comfortable in front of people. And I had done it for a couple of years. And uh, what really kind of took it to the next level, I went down to uh, Florida State. And <clears throat> this was like all fate. So Jimbo Fisher was the coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this time, they were trying to get me to talk to um, uh, what's the kid he plays for Minnesota Vikings? Uh, the running Alvin back. Cook. Um, Dalvin Cook, Cook, yeah. And, and so so Dalvin was he was going through his moment, you know what I'm saying, in, in, in Florida State. And they were just trying to like, you know, get him back. Like, you know, I, I remember it's dudes I remember from college, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. I could trace all these dudes back when I was talking to him and all of them like these are my little young dudes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now they doing and, their thing, uh, yeah. <laughs> now they doing their thing, you know what I'm saying? But they these coaches would get me with them, like, yo, could you, you know, could you talk to this guy? <laughs> and um and, and, and so just to see these guys, uh, uh to see them come there, but that's what kind of put me on the map. So Jimbo Fisher was like, yo, bro, I don't care what you talk about. Just go in there. And I, he was like, I don't care what type of language you use, nothing. Like, speak, you know, speak, so just speak going the real. He wanted you to keep it all the way 100, huh? Man, listen to me. <laughs> so then after that happens, I didn't realize that ESPN was in the room. I didn't realize that they had a, a person there that was just kind of uh, doing a report on college football. Wow. So then what happened was he goes and writes about that. And then at that point it was Alabama, Mississippi, uh state. And wow. I got I got like my thing just kind of took off uh, wow. from speaking. So then from there I ended up basically saying, Okay, I'm tired of being on the road because I was gone so much. I had basically probably been to, you know, probably from thirteen to sixteen, I had probably been to, I don't know, three hundred schools and, and cities and investigations and functions and all this stuff. And then I was like, man, let me get into uh, some ideas that I had with uh, entrepreneurship. And so I basically purchased a trucking company. I did trucking, um, have built myself up to about 12 trucks of various sizes from cargo vans. 12 trucks? um, You had 12 trucks? Yeah, yeah. So I had had 12 vehicles that that we were moving products around. And then went from there and um, the trucking thing after a while felt like it was, uh, it was kind of, I would say boring, but it wasn't, it, it didn't stimulate me. It didn't you know what I'm saying? You, yeah. 
No, I was, and so that's the first time in my life, and I'll say this because I think this is important. That was the first time I made money, and I found out that money didn't equate to happiness. Mm. And so I know I used to hear a lot of people say it, but then mm-hmm. that was the first time I was like, okay, you have money, but you're still, I was happy, but I wasn't as happy as I thought I would be once I had the money that I had, right? right you know what I'm saying, right. if that makes any sense. And so uh, from there, man, uh, I seen a guy uh, teaching some young guys about mental health, right? And mm-hmm. So mental health and, and uh, addiction services. And I was like, yo, uh, me getting my mental health together, this was 2016, 2015, 2016. I said, that's essentially what changed my life. And I would love to do stuff like that. That would make me feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. And so basically I learned how to open up a behavioral health agency and I wanted to introduce just black kids. That, that was my first thing was just introducing young black kids uh, or young Hispanic kids, young poor white kids, anybody who had basically came up like me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If you okay. can't, like if you're just a white dude, black dude, you're from the hood, man, uh, you came up like me to talk about that. There's an infrastructure that you can build up in your mind. Like just, just as much as you need a skill set for football, you need a skill set. Uh, for, to operate your mind in, yeah, and I can right. help you to un- understand what that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we we built that and and built it up to 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 where we at now, and, and been in business for four years. But then after that, uh, just understanding business a little bit more, I started to get more into medical services and uh, some real estate services, and that was it. And uh, I just enjoy what I do, man. Mm-hmm. I'm happy and. Yeah. Um. Uh. And, and if I had to attribute anything, is all education, man. You yeah. know, and that's that's one thing. Like, um, I, I don't I don't care who you are, right? I don't care if you're in journalism. I don't care if you in if you're in you're a physician in the medical field. Some form of continued education. Some form of watching somebody who's doing it better than you. Some form of mentorship. Some form of of repetition. It's, it's just, but it's just like football. It's just mm. like sports. You know, all that stuff basically translates over at some level, and that's it, man. I'm and just, you, you know, and, Reese, you you speak about repetition and education. I remember you had a blog while you was in prison called the mind of Maurice Claret. And I remember, I remember yep. reading some of it and I wrote down like a couple words that you spoke about in there, which is understanding your struggle, your hustle, never yep. settle ever again. You read psychology books, like you mentioned, and a lot of them were business related literature, like all that kind of stuff is coming full circle to where you are now. And I remember, I don't even think you know this. I don't even think I ever told you this. When you were coming to Omaha, I remember them telling me, Hey, Maurice Claret, he's coming here. He's gonna be your roommate, and you're gonna be responsible. <laughs> and, you're, and you're gonna be responsible for him. And of course, at the time, you know, everybody had knew everything that had happened. But for me, it was I want to get to know this dude who he is now. And I think that's kind of how we have become and stayed friends all this long is because not just by what you've done in the past, it's all about what you're doing now and what you're doing to help going forward in the future and all the things you talked about now I think are tremendous not only do you have you know you founded the red zone back in you know 16 I believe it was um yeah, 16 yep you talk about the mental health facilities now you uh, I remember talking to you a few days ago you said you you know you got a few surgery centers and all I mean you mm-hmm. continue to grow that platform uh for years down the road and one thing that stuck out to me man I tell you this which which kind of opened my eyes you said to me, this is a, a simple question. You said, do you currently control your destiny? If you died today, could you leave your family your current job? And I believe that blew me away because I never thought about in that instance, if, what am I doing now? Would that leave a destiny or would that leave a legacy for my, my kids? And the fact that your mind goes there now still tells me that 
you know, you're still thinking in that mindset of I can always continue to be better. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, and I said it in the most humble way, but it was like, um, so, 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 so one thing football do football, football exposes you to a better lifestyles. It exposes you to people who are more affluent and expose you to a life status you always want to maintain for yourself. Right. Right. All of our friends, we know rich friends, we know wealthy friends, you know, we both know the same people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you ask yourself, like outside of this vehicle that I've had, how do I continue to one do good in this world? But then how do I continue to live this lifestyle that I enjoy? You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? How Mm -hmm. do I like how, and how do I make my impact on the world? And a lot of that come down to me just saying, man, how do you control your destiny? Like, is my destiny, like, you know, in the football vehicle, you have to have a lot of things working in your favor, right? Somebody right. may look at Patrick Mahomes' contract and say, okay, man, 10 years, 503 million. Yeah. There were so many things that had to happen for that to happen. No doubt. And it's so uncommon. You know what I'm saying? Out of all the people in the world, like, that is so uncommon. <laughs> but there is, But there's other things that you can do that control your destiny that if you you if you if the opportunity that you have right now isn't afforded that you can still facilitate your lifestyle right. your kids can still benefit and so i just made the choice that i told myself i said man if i would get up for a university that i don't own i would get up for a professional team i don't own mm. or i would get up for anything that i don't own and give my life to it right mm-hmm. and and there's nothing wrong with giving your life to another person's business because that's the agreement that you have. You've given me an opportunity. You've given me uh, a, a, a paycheck for my service. Mm-hmm. Cool, I got to give you all that. But I need to be doing something where I go above and beyond for my family. So everything I get into, yeah, I okay. have my equity stake into it. Yeah, because, okay, so you going away from these houses, you on these planes, you on these airports, you on these hotels, you on these TVs, right? Mm-hmm. So you do all that. Okay, what is it that if you die or things are not working out, what can your family continue to benefit off of? And so I've just, if you ask me, what do I do? I'm a social entrepreneur. So Mm. we have mental health services. We have uh, drug and alcohol services and we do a lot of good for a lot of people. But if I wasn't able to continue to do one and that, my family who I'm away from, they could still benefit from that. In regards to medical facilities, it's the same thing. We're going to do a whole lot of good, but I position my family. Where do I take that money to? I put it into real estate. So the real estate people are going to need place to stay forever. Uh, the the tax breaks you get. And these are just all things. But then also I share with former players, right? And the reason I do it is because our lives have been so much into – there's two things I want to say, and I don't know how much time you have, but just two things I want to say. Our lives have been so much in this bubble of sports, in this world of sports, that right. we've just missed a lot of information or just conversations that we don't have. Right. Right. One of our biggest things that we have is our social influence, right? Right. So the reason people align themselves with us is to either raise awareness to their platform, their program, their product, or their service. They'll mm. align themselves with us. So I'm just saying, okay, if we're going to do that, why shouldn't I own the product or own the service? Mm. Since since I'm garnering the attention, since I'm basically waving my hands, why shouldn't we own the platform or own the product or at least own a portion of it so we can basically benefit from it, Mm. right? So if I'm I'm doing affordable housing, I don't have to own all of it, but I can own a portion of it. And we're going to give affordable housing and good housing to people in underprivileged areas. And so... That is just more of my thing. And as an athlete, just think about this shock, right? So since you've been in high school, you've had people at every level tune into you on high school, tuning you to college, 
and tune into you in your professional career and mm-hmm. you're on TV all the time, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's not too many other human beings who have had that much exposure. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And so why do we not leverage that? And so you're just like me. So you you you're born and raised in Georgia, you work in Georgia, you stay in Georgia. I'm born and raised in Ohio, played in Ohio, I'm stay in Ohio. Mm. So I'm just figuring out other ways to leverage myself and everything that I've built here. So everybody who, who who's affected by me, uh, uh, be it my family members, that they can have some sort of opportunity off of me. And that's just how I operate. <laughs> and then I'm unapologetic about that. You know nah, what I'm saying? Man, that, that is that is spoken some of the realest truth that, you know, I, I think people need to hear. I think a lot of people uh, need to take heed of it. And it's it's so good to hear what you're saying and be able to say it in a way that's, uh, eloquent enough where people can understand it and to know that, hey, this guy had everything, lost everything, and now he's still building and, and doing great things for not just himself or his family, for people around him. Um, I think the fact that, hey, now you have a son named Titan, which I love, uh, you, yeah. your, your daughter Jane, uh, your fiance. I mean, the things that you're doing now, man, speaks volume. You just moved into a, a new house. I mean, you're doing things the right way, man. And I think some of the words that you um, put out today, I think a lot of people will take heed of and, and definitely enjoy. Um, uh, before we let you go, man, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity. I want to thank you for uh, being honest and putting your heart out there and, uh, you know, not holding back. And I think a lot of people will definitely learn from the things that uh, you say. I, I know you've had to tell the story a few times, but uh, the things you're doing now, I think, speak volumes of not Maurice Claret, the football player that everybody knows from Ohio State and Ohio, but the man of Maurice Claret. So I appreciate you, man, and uh, I thank you for the time. No, no doubt, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. I don't do this often, but for friends, <laughs> I, I enjoy doing it. But, but you take it easy. You have a great day. And as, anyway, as all the time, like I always say, man, my number ain't changed. You can get me up in time. All right, we appreciate you, man. Take it easy, bro. <laughs> I say blown away by some of the things we just heard from a good buddy of mine, Maurice Claret. Open up his heart, being vulnerable. I think really putting it out there, some of the things that he went through and how he has came through on the other side. And I think anybody who heard him speak just then knows how eloquently he put his life into the spot it is now. All the great accomplishments that he's doing and the way he's helping tons of people similar to himself and also People are like him, which is I think is superb. And I give nothing but kudos and props to my man, Maurice, for one, coming on, but for two, being open and honest about some of the things that he's had to overcome. And now look at him. He is a true story of how you can turn your life around for the better. And this guy is a living testament of how, hey, you work hard, you stay diligent, and you believe in yourself, good things will happen. Maurice, good friends will always be a friend of mine i appreciate you my man you have been listening to the triple threat podcast i am dj shockley we'll see you next time deuces
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.